KJ Green, welcoming you to another edition of Sports with Hollywood. Coming up in this edition, down to the Major League Baseball, the World Series is in front of us. We have the chain nothing more crazier and off the chain than the world series we're down to two teams and it's not the braves not the orioles not the dodgers not even the defending uh respective american and national league champions astros and phillies both of them were the last two eliminated as the texas rangers and the arizona diamondbacks clash in the World Series. Never mind that 50 some odd years ago, neither one of these teams existed. Never mind that 25 years ago, the Diamondbacks didn't exist. The Texas Rangers knocking off the Houston Astros in seven thrilling games, the road team winning every game to advance to their first World Series in 12 years. The Diamondbacks Fighting back from down 3-2, losing games in the desert, having to go back to Philly and win both games 6 and 7 to snatch the pennant away from the defending NL champs to advance to their first World Series since they won it in 2001. The teams are a bunch of nobodies. But you got to give the credit to where credit is due. The Rangers and Astros in a nasty ALCS. These two teams genuinely don't like one another. And their rivalry has gotten that much more heated since the Astros moved from the NL to the AL just a few years ago. And the Astros have been the perennial AL bully the last few years. They've made the ALCS each of the last seven years. They've made the World Series each of the last three years. And many people thought 
this might be a team that may very well be unstoppable. The defending World Series champs, but when they got against the Rangers, no one could win at home. No one could win at home. The Rangers win the first two games in Houston. You're thinking, uh-oh, are the Astros in trouble? Especially going on the road and being a being uh, the, the Rangers were so good at home. But the Astros had the best record in the AL on the road for a reason. They went to, to Arlington, took all three games in Globe, uh, Globe uh, Life Field, and you're thinking, okay, order's been restored. The Astros spied the Rangers a couple of games, but then the Rangers remembered that they're the Rangers and will collapse. But the Rangers, all oldest Garcia, hitting the ball like a bad man. And the Astros just could not get him out. And Garcia just seemed to be making big hits when there were ducks on the pond and runs to be scored. His big bat carried the day in both Game 6 and Game 7 to take the Rangers to their first World Series since 2011. Now, the question now for the Astros is, is Dusty Baker going to call it a career? The soon-to-be Cooperstown-bound manager capped off his career, capped off a Hall of Fame career last year by winning the World Series. And many people thought, kind of cleaning up the image of the kind of dusky Astros who was still stinging after the uh, sign-stealing scandal that tarnished their first World Series win five years ago. But they did not complete the job. And now are left to wonder, is their uh, manager going to ride off into the sunset? Bruce Bochy, he is still in this league. He is now only the third manager to win pennants in both the AL and NL, but he's the first manager to do it with three different teams, taking the, the Wobegum Padres to the World Series in 98, winning three World Series with the Giants in 10, 12, and 14, and now taking the Rangers to the, the World Series this year. But who they face? The Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the last teams to make the postseason field, suddenly jump up, up and start knocking off division winner after division winner. Now, a lot of people poo-poo the, the playoff scenario and set up. Oh, you've got these weak teams getting in, okay? The Diamondbacks knocked off three teams with better records than them and two of the three division winners in the Brewers and Dodgers. And they made both teams look silly. Now, getting against the Phillies, now that's a team that was loaded for bear. After knocking off the Braves in the uh, after shooing off the Marlins in the first round, knocking off a supposed better Braves team in the divisional round were the prohibitive favorites to make it back to their second World Series in as many years. The problem was their hitting was spotty. Bryce Harper, uh, Nick Castellanos, none of them hit when they needed the big hit. And in the seventh game, when the big bat was needed, the Phillies failed time and again to get the big hit. Bryce Harper coming up in the seventh inning of game seven, down four to two with two men on, on, uh, on base, 
had a real chance to be a game changer. To finally shed his, he can't win the big one and he can't come up big when the chips are on the table moniker. Did he do it? No. He flies out the center. And that's that. The Diamondbacks hold on to win their first pennant since 2001 in that memorable World Series when they knocked off the Yankees in seven games. The problem is, is that Diamondbacks team had Kirk Schilling and Randy Johnson, two of the best pitchers of that era. Do the Diamondbacks have a stopper? Do they have an ace in the hole? They have a lot of greedy, gutty nobodies that a lot of people will not even recognize them in Phoenix, much less in the baseball world. But this team can win. And we'll give the Rangers a handful. Do I think that the Diamondbacks will win the World Series? To be perfectly honest, it's toss-up. I like the Rangers to win in seven. This is going to be a good World Series, one that you should watch. But a lot of people are going to say two markets that no one really pays attention to, no, no big star power, that it may not be worth watching. The Fall Classic is always worth watching. It's a messy situation in Ann Arbor, to say the very least. And a lot of the details are still being threshed out. Jim Harbaugh, who was the head coach of the University of Michigan, who is ranked number two in the AP poll and currently number one in the Hoodwood Hot Five poll, is under what is starting to be an investigation for alleged sign stealing. Now, when the sign gate went down in the NFL. That was a blatant operation of someone planted on the sidelines trying to decipher what plays were being run. The New England Patriots. There were fines. There were suspensions. It was a very messy situation. The problem is with NCAA is who's going to really enforce this rule. And I have said that you can... Steal all the signs that you want. Stealing signs is not going to stop a play. Because there are teams that will say, we're going to run the ball. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. But you can't stop it. Or we're going to run it to the point where you don't want, you won't be able to stop it. Michigan, I don't think that their alleged sign stealing has anything to do with their 7-0 start. I think it's because they have such a phenomenal offense, a ridiculously great defense, and enough the sum of their parts is good enough where it doesn't really matter if they know what's coming. Because they're going to take theirs and beat you with theirs. And they probably could take yours and beat you with yours. The problem is, is you have so many moving parts. Now Michigan Stafford is being suspended because he bought tickets to all 12 different uh, Big Ten venues for what many people say is spying. And the voice is saying, oh, Jim Harbaugh should be suspended. Michigan should forfeit all their, their wins. None of these voices are allowed as from the school about 120 miles to the south. 
southeast of them, the Ohio State University, Michigan's dogged arch rival who would like nothing more than to see them take a pratfall. Now, Ohio State hated it when them and Michigan made the college football playoff last year. Neither one of them made the finals, losing to Georgia and Texas Christian, respectively. But it irked Ohio State fan to see Michigan not kowtow to them because Ohio State had dominated Michigan for such a long time. Now, Michigan's getting some get back, and Ohio State's feeling insecure. They are one of the loudest voices saying that Michigan State should be suspended immediately. Jim Harbaugh should be suspended immediately. Now, remember, Harbaugh already has served a three-game suspension for violation of COVID practices and mandated recruiting dead periods, COVID-19 mandated recruiting period. Harvard, Harbaugh served, it was a school-imposed suspension for three de- for three games. The case against Harbaugh for this still remains unfinished. The NCAA is notoriously slow in its enforcement, in its investigation, and their investigations are usually, are more often than not, uneven, weird, and with no real subpoena power. I mean, the NCAA doesn't have subpoena power, and they can't compel people to testify here and there. So their investigations usually go a lot slower and a lot more lengthier in time to get things together than other investigations. Most people think that the NCAA investigation won't be complete until at least, at the earliest, 2024. And many people are, the, 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 the scope of the investigation is still not determined. Many people, me included, think that Michigan is being picked on. That Michigan is being pointed out because Jim Harbaugh is the type of coach who likes to go, eh, at everybody. He plays the game his way. Michigan plays the game their way. And like I said before, one of their biggest antagonists, their arch rival, Ohio State, is carping the loudest. Now you remember, Ohio State got punished, had to sit out a bowl year in 2012 because of the autographs for, uh, for trinkets and tattoos, where it was more or less they were giving away some of their gear for tattoos or other gifts, which at the time was very illegal in the NCAA. Jim Trestle, then the coach of Ohio State, more or less didn't do the due diligence and discipline, then lied about it, got caught, lied about it again, and more or less Ohio State had no choice but to fire him because it was messy. So much of the investigations and things that people get in trouble for aren't because of what they did. It's when they're lying to cover it up. The crime isn't so big as the cover-up. And this, you have to wonder, is Michigan covering something up bigger? Jim Harbaugh has strenuously denied knowledge of anything with quote-unquote sign-stealing. I mean, there was um, basically... The thing with Harbaugh, he has basically 
denied directing anyone to steal signs and says he has no knowledge of it. For now, for now, we can take him at his word. But if something does happen, you know that there are going to be a lot of people who want to bring Michigan down quickly. And Ohio State, who is just underneath Michigan in the standings, would like nothing better than to watch his hated rival take a bunch of forfeits and losses and not be in their way to try to garner a national championship. The situation is fluid, and I'll stay on it and get more information and details as they come. But as of right now, I think Michigan's getting a raw deal. And until we have all the facts, we really can't start saying who did what. Take a time out, come back, and look at the James Harden situation in Philadelphia. If anything could get any more messier, it'd be, it'd be this office, <laughs> which is very messy. Sports from the Hoodwood comes back at you after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at gottagetmarriednow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at gottagetmarriednow.com. My name is KJ Green, and I don't know about you, but I hate dealing with moody people. Seems like all of my ex-girlfriends are moody. Well, they were moody when I dated them, and they're even moodier now. But that's neither here nor there. Dealing with moody people is never a good situation, and the Philadelphia 76ers have a super moody one in their guard, James Harden. Now, James Harden is still an all-star caliber player, even though he's kind of on the backside of his career. But James Harden doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. He wants to be traded, preferably to the Los Angeles Clippers. The Philadelphia 76ers have no interest in trading him, and he is called general manager Daryl Morey a liar. Now, James Harden picked up his $35.6 million player option back in June, and he has been repeatedly saying that he wants to be traded. And he has more or less sat out off and on in training camp. Now, the Sixers play their opening game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Then they go to Toronto to play the Raptors. Harden will not make the trip with either one for either one of those games. The earliest that he could begin to play would be this Sunday in the, in the Sixers' home opener against the Portland Trailblazers. That being said, it's still a messy situation, and you wonder why relations between Harden and the Sixers have gotten so strained. Now, remember, Harden got traded to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. 
Now, the Nets won, were more than happy to take James Harden off their hands because he felt like he was ball stopper, that he did mesh well with, with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Both of those players have since been traded. Durant to the, to the Suns, Irving to the, uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. And then James Harden was also traded for the uh, recalcitrant Ben Simmons, who still hasn't played yet. Will Ben Simmons ever play? Ever play? No one knows. And right now in Hollywood, no one cares. That being said, James Harden didn't really think he fit in in, in, in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid being the dominant centerpiece of that team and the number one option. James Harden wants to be the number one option or at least play with somebody who has more scoring options. Why he would want to go to the Clippers who have Paul George and... The boy's name went right out of my head. I'll cut this. <laughs> I laugh like he did. Uh, that's just bad. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Try to get cut. Now everybody's saying that James Harden would want to be uh, the number one scorer, even though White want to go to L.A., who has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who are proven scores of their own right. But James Harden wants out of Philadelphia and he has made it very clear that he will be more than less than happy and playing at less at optimal speed if he is not traded in that soon. Now, the Sixers have a new coach, Nick Nurse, who used to coach the, the Toronto Raptors. He has been trying to coach Harden or coax Harden, I should say, out of his shell to play with the Sixers. Now, the Sixers are a solid team. The problem is, with all the carping that Harden's doing, it's going to mess up team chemistry. Will the Sixers trade uh, James Harden to the Clippers? Now, the Clippers are like, oh, we'll take him, but we're not going to give you much for him. And that's going to be another messy situation. The Sixers can't work out a trade. The Clippers are very reluctant to part with any of their established players. And Harden wants out. And is more or less refusing to play or play every now and then until he gets his wish. Something's got to give. And it's a messy situation. Who's going to break? Who knows? But get your popcorn out because this is turning into quite the soap opera. that don't know or are uneducated in the ways of the Hoodwood, I am a hockey fan. I'm a big Detroit Red Wings fan. Now, the Detroit Red Wings, for the longest time, with standard of excellence in the National Hockey League, having made the playoffs for 25 straight years, uh, the period between 1990 and 2015, but they have not made the playoffs since. That streak may very well be coming to an end. I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful that this may be the year that they break their playoff winless streak or playoff miss streak with the help of not only their beleaguered captain Dylan Larkin, but a trade uh, that General Manager Steve Eiserman made uh, back in June for Alex Brinicat. Now, Brinicat is 
probably one of the more underrated players in the in the National Hockey League. He was drafted by Chicago, played a couple years with the Blackhawks organization, played a couple years with Blackhawks, and then was traded to the Ottawa Senators. Last year, he only had 27 goals, which many people would say, well, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad number to have. But that was a down year for DeBrinicat. DeBrinicat is um, one of the more prolific scorers in the NHL. He was, like I said, it was a down year for him. Looking at his numbers, which I'm showing here on the screen, he has had a, I would say, a solid career. He is one of those that, he's a small guy. He's only 5'8", but he's quick. He is very prolific, and as a right winger, he is on the shooting side of Dylan Larkin. So he is somebody that will put up good numbers if put in the right, in the right scenario. Looking over his numbers, like I said, I'm showing them on the screen here. He had 28 goals in 18 with his rookie year with the Blackhawks. Boosted up to 41 goals the next year. Had a little bit of a down season. Had, had uh, 18 goals and 45 points. But he has had a consistent, and I always say consistent, goal scorer. And one of those that he could set himself up by the net and put in good points. Dylan Larkin has pretty much been the lone sniper for the Red Wings the last couple of years. The beleaguered captain now has another good goal, uh, good to go goal scorer, and he has made great opportunity of his, of his of opportunities of his goal chances this year. He has nine goals so far this season, which is first in the NHL, and he has 13 points overall, which is uh, third overall. His plus minus of six is tenth in the NHL which all of these are just ridiculous numbers. And he's going to continue to put up good numbers with someone like Dylan Larkin setting him up for scoring opportunities. This may be the breakout year that the Red Wings looking at. They're 5-1-1. One one. Their last game um, as of Thursday the 26th was against Seattle, the Kraken, the Crackhead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. The Kraken whom they dropped 5-4 overtime loss. So that was their first loss of the season, but it was a regular, it was an overtime loss, so they still gained a point. Brinicat had, uh, let me see, I'm looking at this right here. He had a, uh, a goal and a plus-minus of one, which is really good. Anytime you have a plus-minus, a plus, you're doing something right. And his tendency to be around the net and be somebody that Larkin can set up for consistent goals may be just kind of one-two punch that the Red Wings have needed to break out of their, their long playoff slump of almost nine years. I'm not betting against Cat. I think, like Snuffy says, the only cats that he likes is Cat and Bearcats. This is a cat that I can get behind, and I think that he may be able to do kind of damage that is going to give the Red Wings a consistent score and consistent wins in the super rough Metropolitan Division in the NHL's Eastern Conference. They're a team to watch, and I think you should keep an eye on them. Take a time out. Come back with NFL Week 8. I can't do any worse than I did last week, and I've got a lot more games to pick from. I only had 12 games on the docket last week. We've got, then I'm going to try not to forget games like I did last week. But we're going to try to get as many of them as we can 
in the short time we're together. And I'm gonna try to get a bunch of them right. Sports from the Hoodwood rolls on after this. I'm actor Rajim A. Gross. Some of the studios would like to scan our images and only pay us for one day's worth of work and be able to use our likenesses, our voices, our mannerisms as computer-generated characters, not only in the movie that we might be filming in, but in all future films as well. That's not fair. And I thank the SAG board members that are fighting for my rights as an actor to work on a union film. So I just want to say standing in complete solidarity with everyone. Thank you. You are tuned in to Sports from the Hood Wood, the Internet's foremost location for opinion, analysis, and insight on the world of sports. Here now is the man banned from sports trivia contests in 38 states and four Canadian provinces, and not to mention Guam. Your host, K.J. Green. You're back in the Hoodwood. My name is K.J. Green, and let's get into the NFL Week 8 picks. If anything, just to get the stench of Week 7 off of the plate. Because that was just a bad week. That's what I get when I try to skimp. You know, it was very busy last week. And while I provided uh, the picks here and in detail, I do uh, send out a mailer and I just send out the winners. And there weren't a lot of winners last week. I had a disaster of a 6-6 six and six week. Even though I hit the lock on the upset, which make no sense. So, with the goal of improvement across the board here, once again, we are providing the NFL Week 8 picks for your... Uh, perusal, approval, and review. The odds are provided by ESPN for entertainment and comparison purposes only. And if you bet the lines after that disaster of a la of way last week was, and you lose, you deserve to get took. That's definitely the way I'm looking at. A full slate of games across the board this week. We got 15 games to get at, and of course I'll provide the Thursday pick for next week. We're already up on one up on the. Um, on the pick with the Thursday night pick. So, let's get to it. This is a CBS doubleheader weekend for the games of October 29th. Check your local listings for the games in your area. Of course, you can always consult the fine folks at uh, 506 Sports. They have a comprehensive map of the games and what's being played in your area. So, let's get started with the first game on the docket. That's the 2-5 and five Patriots. Taking on the 5-2 Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Dolphins are 9.5 point favorites. Last week, the Patriots defeated the Bills 29-25, while the Dolphins lost to the Eagles 31-17. The fast fact is that the Dolphins lead the league in total offense, red zone efficiency, and yards per play. Now, the Pats stun the Bills and stay in the division as they head to South Beach to face a Dolphins team that's reeling after a tough loss to the Eagles, I still don't trust Mac Jones as far as I can throw him. And his 
tendency to be inconsistent will really bite him in the butt facing a Dolphins team that is eager to get back on the winning side. I really don't try. It's really hard to figure out the Dolphins from week to week, but I do trust them enough to grind out a tough home win. The pick here is Miami. Next on the docket, we have the 3-4 Rams taking on the 4-2 Cowboys at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Cowboys are six-point favorites. Last week, the Rams lost to the Steelers 22-17 while the Cowboys were on their bye. Fast fact here, the Cowboys have a 10-game home winning streak. Now, the Rams lost a controversial tight game to the Steelers and hit to Jerry World to take on a rested Polk's team that just beat the other L.A. team before their bye. I don't know why the schedule makers had L.A. and L.A., but that's their, that's their uh, thing. The Rams' offense is wildly inconsistent, and you are not sure if Matthew Stafford is going to be able to find his receiving core. He has a talented receiving core, but sometimes him finding it is a bit of a stretch. Dak Prescott, what what can you say about this kid? I mean, he, he's played good sometimes, plays bad the other. That the Cowboys defense is good enough to keep them in games, and I think that this game will be another time that you will see the Cowboys defense shining a little bit brighter and holding the Rams offense in check. The pick here is Dallas. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 three three Jets taking on the 2-5 Giants at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Jets are three-point favorites. Last week, the Jets were on their bye, and the uh, Giants defeated the Commanders 14-7. Fast fact, this is the 15th meeting between these two New York teams since 1970. Now, the Jets come into this game rested off their bye, while the Giants knocked off the Commanders, as I predicted. And with their inner city rivalry at a full head, you're going to have half the team, half the stadium in green, half the stadium in blue. But it's a Giants home game. So the Jets are coming out of their locker room, the Giants coming out of their locker room, and no one's in the visitors' locker room. Same thing. But regardless of which, I think the Jets are playing better, even though their defense has a tendency to carry them in their offense. I still don't trust Zach Wilson any month before I can throw him. And he is basically keeping the seat warm for Aaron Rodgers. Could Aaron Rodgers come back soon? It's anybody's guess. His rehab is going faster than progress than many people expected. Facing a Giants team that they knocked off the commanders, but I just don't trust their offensive inconsistency. Whether it's Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor, offense is going to be depending a lot on Saquon Barkley, and the Jets' defense will keep on that fact. I think the Jets can stop them and get the win. The pick here is New York. The Jets. <laughs> and if I just said New York, I'd be right, but it's but I'm picking the Jets. Next on the docket, we have three and four Vikings taking on the two and four Packers at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. It is an even line game. Right now, last week the Vikings defeated the 49ers 22-17, while the Packers lost to the Broncos 19-17. Fast fact, the Packers have been outscored 63-6 in the first half of their last four games. Both these teams come off of unexpected results. The Vikings stunned the Niners before a thrilled home crowd, while the Packers laid out a big fat egg on the road in a winnable game at Denver. The Vikings' offensive line neutralized a fierce pass rush by the Niners and should be able to take on a slower, weaker pack defense. Jordan Love is going through some growing pains as the pack starter, and his uneven play has been reflected in the team's record. This game is a toss-up, to be honest, and neither team has a real clear edge. 
I'll continue to go the way that I really shouldn't. The pick here is Minnesota. Next on the docket, we have the 5-2 Jaguars taking on the 4-2 Steelers at Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Jags are 2.5-point favorites. Last week, the Jags defeated the Saints 31-24 on Thursday night, while the Steelers defeated the Rams 24-17. Fast fact is the Jags have won five of their last six visits to Pittsburgh. Both of these teams coming off of solid wins on the road. The Jags are rounding into form nicely, having won in their last four games, while the Steelers have rebounded from their last bad loss, which was against the Texans, three weeks ago. This looks like it'll be a rock fight. Both teams play gutty, gritty type of games, though I do trust Trevor Lawrence more than I ever will trust Kenny Pickett. I think the, the uh, Jags running game will be able to grind out a win and keep the uh, Steelers' offense scrambling and trying to force Kenny Pickett into throwing more and more, which he's not really accustomed or equipped to do. The pick here is Jacksonville. Next on the docket, we have the 6-1 Eagles taking on the 3-4 Commanders at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Eagles are 7-point favorites. Last week, the Eagles defeated the Dolphins 31-17, while the Commanders lost to the Giants 14-7. Fast fact here is the Eagles have the second most sacks in the NFL, while Commanders quarterback Sam Howell is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. The Eagles are flying high after a Sunday night show out, show out against uh, the equally good Dolphins. They had the nation's capital take on a very uneven Commanders team whose offense is getting more and more lackluster by the week. Sam Howell is in trouble. He is not piling the offense the way that many people were hoping he would. And many people are deciding, you know what, this guy is really not the answer. Ron Rivera's seat is getting hotter by the second. And the commanders are really not going anywhere. And the Eagles would like nothing more than to bury their hated division rivals. I think the Eagles roll easily. The pick here is Philadelphia. Next on the docket, we have the 4-3 Falcons taking on the 2-4 Titans at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Falcons are 2.5-point favorites. Last week, the Falcons defeated the Buccaneers 16-13, while the Titans were on their bye. Fast fact here is the Falcons have allowed one rushing touchdown the entire season and none in the last four games. This is a sneaky good game, I think. The Falcons are unexpected leaders of the NFC South, and they head into Nashville to take a Titans team that is, at best, uneven, and many people think that there are some players on the trading block. Can the Falcons slow down King Henry enough to make the Titans have to throw the ball against a very, very solid secondary? I think the Falcons can carry the day, and a lot of people say, oh, this is a road game. Again, the Falcons went away from home. They proved they could do that against Tampa Bay, and I think they win another grinder game. The pick here is Atlanta. Let's take time out. Come back with the rest of the Week 8 NFL docket. Sports and Hollywood rolls on after this. Hi everyone, I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience for your advertising dollar, look no further than where you are right now. You can advertise right here in the Hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Banner Productions Enterprises can create commercial content that drives sales and gets results. You can send your inquiries to ads at blackbannerproductions.com. Black Banner Productions and Enterprises. Sounds, ideas, and images in the 21st century.
you're tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for the most honest insight, thorough analysis, and unfiltered opinion on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's the man of the hour, After Hours, your host, KJ Green. You're back in the Hoodwood. Let's continue on with the week eight NFL picks. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 three three Texans taking on the 0-6 Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Texans are three-point favorites. Last week, both teams were on their respective buys. The fast fact here is the Panthers' defense has allowed 12 touchdowns in their last two games. Both teams come in well-rested off of buys, and it's a showdown between a pair of young guns with uh, C.J. Stroud of the Texans and Bryce Young of the Panthers. Stroud has played well and has wins to show for it, while Young has played decent at times, but the Panthers' defense has not put together enough consistent efforts to show in the win column. To be honest, this is actually an more even matchup than one would think, and something tells me, for some dumb reason, that the Panthers are due. So that's why I'm going to make Carolina the upset of the week. Next on the docket, we have the 3-4 Saints taking on the 3-4 Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Saints are favored by a single point. Last week, the Saints lost to the Jaguars 31-24, while the Colts lost to the Browns 39-38. Fast fact here is the Saints have won the last four beatings between the two clubs, dating back to their Super Bowl win in 2010. Now, these are two teams that are the definition of uneven. You're never sure of which team is going to show up. You can't really trust Derek Carr piling the Saints offense, and while Colts offense can put up points, their defense has a tendency to wander, as witnessed the push the points allowed to the otherwise offensively challenged Browns. This game just doesn't make any sense, and I, and I was looking at the numbers and trying to figure out, is Gardner Minshew really the answer for Indianapolis? He's not, but he's putting up decent numbers, and keeping the Colts in games. Derek Carr is overdue for a breakout game, and I think he should, should, and that's an operative word here, have enough time against the Colts' defense, who ain't scaring anybody, to put up points and get the win. It's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think the Saints come out on top. Pick here is New Orleans. Next on the docket, we have, we're starting with the late games now. The 4-2 Browns taking on the 4-2 Seahawks at Lumen Field in Seattle. 4-0-5 kickoff on Fox. The Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Last week, the Browns defeated the Colts 39-38, while the Seahawks defeated the Cardinals 20-10. Fast fact, this is the Browns' only their third trip to Seattle in the last 30 years. This is an intriguing game in the Pacific Northwest with the Browns headed to the Lumen Field and have, are coming off of a pair of solid wins, even though they did escape both times by two and one point. The Seahawks, after a dispiriting loss to the Bengals in Cincinnati, bounced back nicely to whip the uh, Cardinals and are playing again at home. This is a tough game to decide because you're not really sure if the Browns can continue to put up the consistent offensive numbers that they have been doing the last couple of weeks. The Seahawks play defense. They will always play defense. And I think the Browns will have a little more tough time to maneuver against a tougher home, uh, I should say, tougher visiting crowd. Indianapolis, while they can get loud, they're not going to get as loud as Seattle. And I think that will be a serious problem for the Browns. I think the Seahawks pulled this one out in a tough one. The pick here is Seattle. Next on the docket, we have the 6-1 Chiefs taking on the 2-5 Broncos at Empower Field in Mile High in Denver. 
425 kickoff on CBS, the Chiefs are seven-point favorites. Last week, the Chiefs defeated the Chargers 31-17, while the Broncos defeated the Packers 19-17. Fast fact here is the Chiefs have won the last 16 meetings. That's not a misprint. I looked it up, but yes, the Chiefs have won each of the last 16 games dating back the last eight years. Chiefs offense looks like they're finally getting their sea legs as they rolled up the yards and points against the Chargers and were really unthreatened. Meanwhile, the Broncos won an ugly but badly needed game at home. There was once a time when the Broncos dominated this matchup. There was also a time that this was one of the best matchups in the NFL. Those times have long since passed. The pick is Kansas City. Next on the docket, we have the 5-2 Ravens taking on the 1-6 Cardinals at State Farm Stadium in uh, Next on the docket, we have the 5-2 Ravens taking on the 1-6 Cardinals at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 425 kickoff on CBS. The Ravens are 10-point favorites. Last week, the Ravens defeated the Lions 38-6, while the Cardinals lost to the Seahawks 20-10. Fast fact here is the home team has won each of the last four meetings. Now, in this aviary battle, Lamar Jackson is playing like his old MVP self, and that's bad news for the scuffling cards, who only have a shocking win over the Pokes, keeping them from a winless ledger. Do you really think that the Cardinals' defense can put that much of a fight to contain Lamar Jackson? Seriously, though? Did I really need to ask? The pick here is Baltimore. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 Bengals, taking on the 5-2 49ers at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, 425 kickoff on CBS. The 49ers are five and a half point favorites. Last week, the Bengals won their bye, while the 49ers lost to the Vikings 22 17. The fast fact here is 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey has scored in each of his last 16 games. It's an NFL record. This is a, this is a decent matchup in the Bay with the Bengals rested after their bye and hopefully hoping that Joe Burrow has had enough rest where his once troublesome calf will not be troublesome anymore. Taking on a 49ers team that has lost each of its last two games by single digits. They can win the blowout, but if the game is close, it looks like the 49ers are getting a little bit suspect. Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol, and that's not a good thing for the 49ers. Sam Darnold, is he still in this league? Will take the snaps for the Niners, and he has played well against the Bengals. Witness his big win against the Bengals two years ago in Gotham. But I don't think that the Bengals will be that much, uh, will have that much trouble with Darnold like they did the first time. Without Debo Samuel and the defense having the key on Christian McCaffrey, I think the Bengals can steal this game. Joe Burrow is looking to shine, and I think he is getting his sea legs back with a troublesome leg, with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase at his disposal, I think the Bengals can roll up the points and steal a win by the bay. Pick here is Cincinnati. The Sunday night matchup is the 2-5 Bears taking on the 2-4 Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The Chargers are 8.5 point favorites. Last week, the Bears defeated the Raiders 30-12, while the Chargers lost to the Chiefs 31-17. Fast fact here, the Bears have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in eight straight games dating back to last season. You know, I was really shocked that this game did not get flexed. I thought for sure that they were going to switch the Bengals 49ers game for this Bears-Chargers game, which really doesn't move the needle that much. 
Justin Fields is still not in for the Bears, which rookie Tyson Badgett, who played capably in the win against the Raiders, gets a second start. He is going to find the sledding a lot tougher against a withering Chargers pass rush. And I don't think that the Bears' offense is really that good. Even though they've won two of their last three and played close in the loss, I think that was against scuffling teams. And I don't think that they're going to be able to go out on the road and get this win. I think that Justin Herbert, against a suspect Bears defense, will be able to get the points and roll up the win. The pick here is the Los Angeles Chargers. The Monday night game is between the 3-4 and four Raiders and the 5-2 and two Lions at Ford Field in Detroit. 8-15 kickoff on ABC and ESPN. The Lions are 8-point favorites. Last week, the Lions lost to the Ravens 38-6, while the Raiders lost to the Bears 30-12. Fast fact is, last week, the Lions' streak of 20-point-plus games was snapped at 15 games. And the Raiders have yet to score 20 or more points in 7 of their last 8 games. Stung by a humbling beatdown in Baltimore, the Lions head home for another primetime date. This one with the scuffling Raiders, who took an awful beating of their own on the midway from the equally sorry Bears. The Lions showed out in their first primetime date, again in a gutty, gritty win over the defending champion Chiefs in it to spoil their banner night. This night will be theirs to shine, and I think they will announce they really have arrived as a marquee team and a team to watch. The Raiders should offer little, if any, real resistance. I don't believe I'm doing this. The Detroit Lions are the Hoodwood of the Week. And there you have it. Quick pick for Thursday, Titans versus Steelers in Pittsburgh. I will go with the Steelers. Last week I was 6-6, six six, but the lock and upset were correct. Go figure. 61-43 overall, 6-1 on the locks, 2-6 on the upsets. Let's take our final timeout, come back with some Hoodwood quick takes, the Hoodwood Hot 5, back down. Head slap, and the final word from the wood. Sports from the hood with heads down the home stretch after this.
tuned into Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for no-nonsense commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand, your host, KJ Green. Running third and headed for home here in the Hoodwood, let's finish up strong with the Hoodwood Hot Five, Fat Dap and Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. Our... Hoodwood Hot 5 is, as has been the past few weeks, the top five teams in the Hoodwood Power Index. What's a Hoodwood Power Index? Snuffy's asked, I've asked, other people have asked. I don't know, just a name I made up. It's the top five teams, I think, in the national, in the college football ranks. Let's start out with the top five, which actually, there are six teams in the Hoodwood Hot 5. They're tied for fifth. You start out with Oklahoma Sooners. They're 7-0, 4-0 in the Big 12. Last week they were not ranked, but defeated University of Central Florida 31-29. Their next game is at Kansas. Also at 5th is the Washington Huskies. They're 7-0, 4-0 in the Pac-12. Last week they were, they were at 5 and defeated Arizona State 15-7. Their next game is at the Farm at Stanford. Our fourth ranked team in the Hoodwood Hot 5 is the Florida State Seminoles. They're also 7-0, 5-0 in the ACC last week. They were also ranked fourth, and they defeated Duke 38-20. They try it again. They were ranked last week fourth and defeated Duke 38-20. Their next game is at Wake Forest. Our third-ranked team is the Ohio State Buckeyes. They are 7-0, 4-0 in the Big Ten. Last week they were ranked number three, and they defeated Penn State 20-12. Their next game is at Wisconsin. Our number two team, as uh, determined in the Hoodwood Hot Five, is the Georgia Bulldogs. They're 7-0, 4-0 in the SEC. Last week they were ranked second. They were on a bye last week. And their next game is against the Florida Gators in Jacksonville. I don't know what they call it now. I still call it the world's largest outdoor, outdoor cocktail party, which they always play that game in a neutral venue in Jacksonville, Florida, which is about halfway between the two schools, but it's in Florida. And our number one team, still at 8-0 and 5-0 in the Big Ten, is Michigan Wolverines. They last week, they were number one and defeated their in-state rival, Michigan State, 49 to nothing. They're on a bye next week, and their next game is on November 4th against Purdue in the Big House. That's the Hoodwood Hot Five. That's my top five. Or, I should say, my hot five. Well, that was six. Well, five, six. But those are mine. What's yours? And now, a short segment that drops in every now and then. Hoodwood Quick Takes. All hail the queens of the WNBA, the Las Vegas Aces. Now, when I taped the show last week, I was not sure if there was going to be a fifth game. It turns out by the time I taped the show and produced it and put it out, the Las Vegas Aces had won their second consecutive WNBA title by defeating the Mercury. I said the Phoenix Mercury. I'll be doggone. Try that again. The Las Vegas Aces defeated the New York Liberty in four games to claim their second NBA WNBA title in as many years. Is this a dynasty? Well, you never know because one of their new owners is Tom Brady, who just seems to know a little bit about winning and being around winning teams. I'm thinking that 
the Las Vegas Aces, as long as they have Ija Wilson, is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the WNBA for years to come. Now, the New York Liberty, they're going to be a team to watch. Keep your eyes on the cool breezes. Both uh, Sabrina Ionescu and Brianna Stewart are great players. Not good, great players. That you may see that an Aces Liberty final again in the very near future. Stay tuned. Is the Kelsey Swift thing getting out of control? I think it is. The whole thing with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and this whole romance that they have, good for them. You know, they grown, they can do what they want. Both of them are high profile. Travis Kelsey being the well, the top tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, and of course Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift. That being said, both of them have the kind of media exposure that are driving the tabloids wild. This is getting just out of control. No one cares. Well, some Swifties care, but no one in the sports world cares that Swift and Kelsey are together. Okay, they're together. What, what what's, what's Travis Kelsey doing for my fantasy team? That's all most guys are worried about. If he's on your fantasy team, you want him to catch touchdowns. And CBS put up this stat, this ridiculous stat, about how much better Kelsey is playing when Taylor Swift is in the building watching. Now, his previous game against the Chargers, he had 12 catches for 178 yards. Great game. Who was in attendance? Yeah, Taylor Swift. Is this getting out of control? I think it is. More NBA players are getting paid big time. Giannis Antetokounmpo signing a three-year, $184 million extension to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks and guarantee that he will be side-by-side -side with his new team teammate Damian Lillard at least for the next four years. Considering how long Damian Lillard's contract is, by the time he gets done with Milwaukee, the Miami Heat aren't going to want him. Speaking of getting paid, Jaden McDaniels signing a five-year, $164 million contract extension with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Keeping that core together may be paramount to getting the Timberwolves out of the first round for the first time since 2004. Are NBA players getting paid? You better believe it. And the money is getting stupid. Has Caleb Williams overplayed his hand? The USC quarterback is more or less making more and more ridiculous demands of teams that may be wanting to draft him. Ownership and wanting to be with a proven winner. He has been rumored to give a list of five teams, one of which are my Vikings. I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, five or six teams that he will leave school to play with if he is drafted. Well, the problem is to be drafted to come out and declare for the draft, there's no going back on that. You can't figure out who might draft you and then go back to school. You either are going to declare or you're not. There's no going back on that. Once you sign that, once you sign the paper that says that you're going to declare for the NBA, uh, NBA, the NFL draft, there's no going back. It isn't like the NBA where you can declare for the draft, test, feel out how what your draft status is, and stay in the draft or go back. It's not like that in the NFL. Once you push through that door, that door snaps shut behind you. You can't go back. Caleb Williams may be overplaying his hand. Yes, he has a media deal with both Wendy's and Nissan because he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, he's a very marketable player and a very skilled one. But him trying to make demands is going to backfire sooner or later. Ownership? 
at 23, psh, please. And now, without much further ado, not the final word from the wood, let's go on to the wood out five. Look at the fat dab and head slap of the week. The fat dab goes to make sure I get the name pronounced right. Fat dab is going to go to Ashley Vlaskamp, uh, who was an EMT who helped deliver the first baby that was ever born at Lucas Oil Stadium. There you go. Why would a baby be born at Lucas Oil Stadium? During a Colt during the Colts Browns game, this is past Sunday at 1:20, a beautiful baby girl was born. The parents, and it turns out, were related to Browns wide receiver David Bell, who was actually an Indianapolis native and Purdue star. Go figure, baby being born and being related to one of the players. But the fat dab goes to the EMT who was on the spot and helped deliver a healthy baby girl. Our head slap of the week, let me just go to the video. What was Juventus thinking? What was that player? I, I'm just flabbergasted. The casualness, he just kicked the ball like, and the goalie's standing there like, cuz, really? Juventus has not had a good, good season and losing games that they really should be dominating and giving up own goals like that. An own goal is pretty much humiliating anyway, but to give it up in that fashion, sad, shameful. Now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. I don't know. Maybe I'm a cranky old man. Both Princess Jazzy and her older sister, Princess Katie, like to tease me and call me a cranky old man more often than not. I know at 51 that I'm seeing things different than I used to at one time. That being said, there are things that are going on with NFL players that I just don't understand. Chris Olave being the latest in a long string of players that have been running afoul of the law. The thing that I don't understand is I understand that people do get into trouble. But why does it seem that NFL players seem to find trouble at the worst possible time? And Olave tried to play it off like, do you know who I am? And the New Orleans police were like, yeah, so? as the way they should be. And you have a player like Chandler Jones who was arrested on domestic, uh, felony domestic battery and was subsequently raped by the Raiders. That was a firm sign that teams are becoming less and less tolerant of scufflaws of the law, people that get into stuff. Now, I don't want to put it out like if a person gets in trouble with the law, they should be immediately released and kicked out of the league. It isn't that. Sometimes there are situations that put a person in an in a, in a uncompromising position, or I should say a compromising position, where they feel like they've had to defend themselves or they get into some sort of brush with the law. I do believe in adjudicating the, the adjudication process. If a person is found guilty, of what kind of crime, then they should be suspended, if not outright released away from their team. 
That being also said, it seems that the number of players that have gone before a judge or have gotten into trouble has been increasing. Last week I talked about Jaron Morant and his tendency to love, live that thug life and we more worried about popping bottles than popping jump shots. Players, no matter what their sport, are going to be targets. They are going to have a massive bullet, uh, I should say bullet, a bullseye on their back because they are famous and because they are in that national media spotlight. And the fact that they get into trouble or find things to get themselves into trouble should worry us. It should be something that is looked into. And there's a lot of players who take personal responsibility for their actions and they are to be if not commended, at least appreciated. But it seems the ones that are getting into trouble, the ones that are putting themselves out there are the ones that are making the headlines. Those are the ones that seem to never go uh, get into nothing but an endless cycle of trouble, of things that happen to them. I think of the late Chris Henry, talented, deeply gifted receiver for the Bengals in the early teens, ended up constantly getting himself into trouble, constantly getting suspended for domestic issues or fights or getting into, into some uh, some sort of trouble one way or the other. Chris Henry was on suspension at one time when he was in an accident that ultimately cost him his life. Now going forward, Chris Henry was an organ donor, so his death was not in vain. But there were, are also other people and other players who are getting themselves into situations of their own making that they should know better. Players like this need to be cautioned, if not outright warned. If you get into trouble, it will cost you a hefty amount of your paycheck, if not your job altogether. If they take a strong stand for things that happen to players and after they've been properly adjudicated, punish these players for their actions. If the arm of the law comes down hard on them, their paycheck should suffer as well, as well as their livelihood. Playing basketball, playing football, playing baseball, playing any kind of sport for pay is not a right. It is a very high privilege. And many of these players seem to take that for granted. They should be pulled back into line. And that is the final word from the wood. Now, with the music coming up in the background, you know that means that your time here in the Hoodwood is just about done, and I thank you so much for your visit again this week. The show's email is kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. Please send me emails regarding show topics, both past and future, questions, comments on the show, and both praise and criticism. I welcome your correspondence and try to get back to you in time. The show's website is sportsfromthehoodwood.com. It has a back catalog of the show, both audio and video forms, getting back to 11 years. You can go back and catch up on any shows that you may have missed. You can join the debate and conversation at the Sportsman Hoodwood Facebook page. They also have a video podcast simulcast. I post that every week as well as other topics, funny stuff I find on the web, great sports debate, and a lot more. I post often and I try to uh, interact with members on a frequent basis. The video versions are on YouTube. Please subscribe and smash that like button for more great content. Now, the link to the podcast is also on the show's tribal feed, which is at the Wood Sports. There's a lot of other interesting stuff I found on the web. I do correspond and post frequently and often and interact with members 
on a regular basis. So you can like and follow there as well. The audio version is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iTunes and Apple, and a host of other fine podcast platforms and providers. If the Hoodwood is not on your favorite podcast platform or provider, please ask for it. Drop me a line and I will see what I can do to get it on your favorite provider. Special thanks, as always, to Ray Pictures for the continuing website development. Some of the graphics that you see are from Ray Pictures. My guy, Rod Gross, executive producer. Always a lot of help. I appreciate his help. Thank you so much. That's it from the Hoodwood, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production.